Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fullen. Thanks for downloading This Time What It's Like Being Freelance for Digital Marketing Consultant Cole Skinner. I finished my agency career as outreach manager, inverted commas. My job was to take clients' content or assets and get them to the right influencers. And I'm, I'm essentially using the same principles for myself as a business. So I try and kind of keep a, an eye on, for example, Twitter is a great source of, of um opportunities if you know where to look so i've got uh, media contributions where i've actively sought opportunities to contribute on forbes and the guardian and whoever else and get the word out there and and show my worth through that and that's a, a great way of affirming any clients kind of is this guy good or whatever can he do what he he says Yes, hello, welcome. I hope you're having a good week being freelance. Here we go with another guest. It is Cole Skinner, who is a digital marketing consultant and strategist. So we will come to him in a moment. Just to remind you, beingfreelance.com is the website. We're on Twitter at Being Freelance. Uh, so you can go on there, check out all of the guests that we've spoken to so far. No matter what field they work in, there's always great advice, uh, both on work and on living, to be had. So please do take a look and uh, listen. And for that matter, hit subscribe on iTunes and then that way you easily get them every single week. So let's go to Manchester to digital marketing consultant and strategist Cole Skinner. Hey Cole. Hey how's it going? (laughs) Yeah good thanks for this. A cool name by the way. It feels like if you know if it all else fails hip-hop would be a good option. (laughs) Cole Skinner. Um, Although you trade you don't trade as as that name despite it being very cool. I made the, uh, the decision. I've never been one of those people who wants to kind of uh, make a name for myself in terms of you know, a self-named brand or something like that, you know, doing the networking and trying to get people to remember my name. I straight from the offset wanted a brand name that I could work under. I figured if I, if I set up a, you know, get an office and get a, a brand name and, and get a website and things, not only will I take it seriously, but also I have a, a brand that can move with what I want to offer. Um, and yeah, it just never appealed to me being, you know, Cole Skinner Incorporated or I really enjoy the process of, of creating a brand and, and the logo and things. I didn't want to miss out on that. Yeah, it's really um, nice. Pro Foundry uh, is the name of the company. Uh, so why don't we talk about how you got started being freelance, how Pro Foundry came about? Sure. Um, so it all started, I guess, um, I did a marketing degree at Huddersfield Uni um, that had no online element to it whatsoever. This was back in from 2005 to 2009. Um, that degree came with a, a year out placement that I was really keen to make the most of. Um, so I ended up doing my placement in a, an agency, a media buying agency um, in Manchester. Uh, that was 13 months doing pay-per-click advertising. That was my first kind of taste, I suppose, of, well, real work and um, online marketing. And then from there, I came out of uni. I did a dissertation about digital marketing. I was the only person to to do so. And I think I was guaranteed a, a higher score just by mentioning the digital marketing, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> so I came out of uni. Everyone was going for sort of Nestle and, and Coca-Cola uh, apprenticeships and internships and things. And I was still keen to kind of continue this this digital marketing and and see where it take, take, took me. So I uh, ended up at an agency called Icom, where I did um, pay-per-click advertising and search engine optimization side by side, day in, day out. I enjoyed SEO much more, the creative side of SEO. So three months in, I said, can I drop the PPC side and just concentrate on search engine optimization? This was back in sort of 2005. 
when I just come out of uni. I worked there for 18 months, realized I didn't have any client side experience, so went on the hunt for a client side role, ended up at um, a company called JD Williams, who own and run um, about 30 different sort of fashion and retail businesses, Simply B, Giacomo, kind of specialist niches. Um, so my job there was to, to audit their agencies, essentially, um, and build best practice in-house. Uh, so I did that for a year, and it was a really difficult kind of role in a massive business that has kind of traditional direct marketing values. Um, so I did that for a year and then I decided to go back to agency side. Um, so I went to a, a, an agency called Return on Digital um, where I worked um, essentially up from an SEO consultant, if you will, to a, a team leader, um, which was uh, essentially a way to not pay me management. Uh, management <laughs> fees or management uh, salary and then I eventually ended up a manager there um, of a team of, sort of six people um, I was there for two years and in that time I just got really sort of fed up of um, having proposals dumped to my desk sort of featuring clients and services combinations that didn't really work um, fed up of seeing clients who you know shouldn't have been brought in for that service in the first place just just not kind of enjoying the, I suppose, the sort of lack of control. So I just kind of got really tired of, of coming home each day, complaining about all these things, and it just didn't seem right. So I, during that process, I actually started my own business uh, called Carved, C-A-R-V-D, that essentially produced um, wooden business cards and wooden laser engraved uh, iPhone skins and things. Oh, nice. And using, using local designers. Um, and I ran that for about 12 months with a business partner. Um, and then when I started to get this kind of feel for, for what it takes to run a business accounts and all those sort of things you go through, this is whilst I was running my full-time job. Um, I, I kind of got that craving to, to want to take this to the next level and, and actually kind of run my own business full-time. Um, so eventually I, I've been saving up money for about three to six months for something, I didn't really know what. Um, and on the sort of Christmas holiday of 20, sort of 2013 Christmas, so going into 2014 New Year, um, I came back into work and just couldn't think of anything else but quitting my job. Um, so much so that I just had to, that day, um, go in and, and get my notice in. <clears throat> um, and then I had a one month notice period. So essentially, I got all my responsibilities taken off me, became a, a ghost in the, uh, the company. So I just used that time to to start planning my next business um, or my new business, the consultancy business, um, and started thinking about you know, logos, services, contacts, refer, you know, people who can refer me work, doing all that sort of groundwork, uh, researching accountants. Um, and then in, essentially in, in Feb 2014, I started it. I, obviously, I left my job and, and started the consultancy business. And how did you go about finding those first clients that you started out with? So I had this dream of like being really local, like everything local. So I live in the center of Manchester. My office is four minutes commute by foot. My accountant is around the corner. I had this lovely idea that all my clients will be local businesses, you know, helping out and supporting local businesses. And then when I actually came to the, the dive into to self-employment, realized that I kind of have to take what I get um, and have, I'm lucky enough to have a, a brother who runs an agency in Brighton um, 
and he had had some clients that needed my my kind of expertise. So I went back to Brighton and, and stayed with him and had a few meetings and ended up uh, getting a client based in Putney down in London <laughs> as my first client. Um, and they bought all of my services, which was like the the jackpot in terms of testing. Um, obviously, they got them at a reduced rate and so on, but I was able to sell in all of my services um, and and test each one um, and realize you know where I'm going wrong in terms of costing them, in terms of ironing out all the niggles and things. And then from there, I just kind of started getting clients through obviously being able to sort of build up a bit of a reputation and, and meet new people and network and things like that. Um, I tend to, to kind of meet UXers, developers, designers, you know, self-employed people, freelancers, agencies and things. And, and they refer me work through the fact that once they've built or done whatever they're doing, the requirement is marketing and that's where I come in. Um, so that, you know, having decent relationships with, with kind of local and national um, devs and so on has been most of my my referrals have come through either clients or people like that yeah nice good idea so i mean you mentioned there your your services uh mm-hmm. your website is very very nice you know it's obviously not something which has just been put together on a build it yourself type site <laughs> or if it is i want it's, the name of that company it's, uh, essentially it's a um a WordPress um, template that I pulled off. It's called Scroller. Um, that I pulled off uh, Theme Forest, and then got a range of devs to make it how I wanted it to be. And yeah. that's taken. Yeah, I've I've learned a lot through that process because I'm now tweaking it and things myself. Um, but the the dev who actually produced the um, the template, I think he's Ukrainian. Um, he had a, a support function um, that you get as, as you pay for the, the template. And you had like essentially a, a support kind of comments forum where you could put questions of how to do things and he would come back. And I completely rinsed that. Like <laughs> he's so much that he, he's taken that function away now. Um, so I just like got exactly what I needed from him and then essentially tweaked it. And then after that, I got a few other WordPress devs to do stuff. Um, on a sort of hourly basis, but it's taken, yeah, it's changing the functionality to suit me. It's taken quite a long time. Yeah, it's um, it's well worth a look. We'll put a link on beingfreelance.com. The, uh, I, I like, you know, because you mentioned the services that you offered to that first mm-hmm. client and figuring out what worked and so on and so forth. It's very clear. I like it. It's, you know, as you scroll down, it's like my services. And even if I don't read the copy, I can see digital audits, digital strategy, digital training, yeah. consultancy, social advertising, digital support. That's, that's taken time as well. When, it, when If you had seen it when it first went live, there was 10 different services. I'm going to simplify it even further at some point. So if you, for example, got my business card or you looked at my about section, you'll see there's three kind of main words that are mentioned a lot, which is insight, strategy, and delivery. When I'm selling my business in a meeting or a pitch, I, I use those as categories. So all of my services fit into those three categories. So you know, essentially having those three categories gives me a really easy way to sort of sell the services. And every single client, whether you're tiny or massive, will have something that relates to them, something they need. I'm intrigued. Having spoken recently to Joel Klecky, who's um, very much a results-driven copywriter, and 
he was chatting to us about how you know he insists on being able to see the results to prove the results um whether you might do something similar because it you know those results underline your worth yeah it's an interesting one i i know a lot of consultants and agencies will push case studies and things i must admit for me it's a mixture of not having the time so far to put case studies together and having certain uh, clients that I cannot divulge the results of. So if I work um, in conjunction with an agency, which my first year was a lot of agency support and in-house work, I can't obviously profess you know, that, that the results are, are mine. Um, so that's always that's quite a difficult one. So I tend to go down the route of having... Um, examples of clients I've worked with and worked on. So that gives me a right, if you will, to kind of say I've worked with or worked on a client in, obviously I would say if it was with an agency and things, I'm not going to, uh, to lie to that respect, but then that's a talking point. So if they see on my client logo, so there's an, a client that relates to their niche or their market, then I can then explain from, from my experience, what I did for them and how it worked. Um, everyone's so different that, you know, results for one person isn't going to be the same for the other. And so far, I've not actually found as part of that proof process that it's been a problem not having a list of like percentages, mm. percentage increases all over my site. I've got obviously my my history, i.e. the about us and everything else, the fact that it shows I'm uh, AdWords qualified and all that sort of thing. And I've got logos to show. And then obviously I can then, there's a story behind each one of those. And then I've got uh, media contributions where I've actively sought opportunities to contribute on Forbes and The Guardian and um, Business Crowd or whoever else um, and and get the word out there and, and show my worth through that. And that's a, a great way of affirming any clients kind of, is this guy good or whatever? Can he do what he, he says? Um, you know, people will find me through digital marketing consultant search terms because I rank on the first, like, I think top three or something like that in Google, which again is, is hard work has taken that, like taking it to, uh, to there. Yeah. Um, and then they do a bit of research on my name or profoundry or whatever. And they find, you know, I mentioned here, I mentioned there, or they go onto the website and look through my list of media contributions and then see that I'm actively kind of out there. And for me, that's, that's enough. And then obviously a phone call or a meeting, because obviously it's all about uh, kind of personal relationships and collaboration and things. So, you know, hopefully they, they can meet me and, and get the way I work and the way I'm, you know, either effective or concise or yeah. logical or whatever else through that personal relationship. You mentioned there Forbes and Guardian and media things. Is that like something you set a certain amount of time for a week? You know, like how has that come about? Because you're obviously being deliberate about it. Yeah, yeah, very deliberate. Um, so I finished my agency career as outreach manager, inverted commas, um, at a, an agency. My job was to take uh, clients' content or assets and get them to the right influencers. And obviously part of that process is is kind of outreaching it. And I'm, I'm essentially using the same principles for myself um, as a business. So I try and kind of keep a, an eye on, for example, Twitter is a great source of, of um opportunities if you know where to look so the the journal hashtag so a journal request sorry hashtag 
I follow that and I get alerts of anything that has SME, business, marketing, startup, uh, digital in just through the search function and anything that even remote is relate uh, remotely related to me, I'll, I'll go for and hope that it's, it's, it turns into something. And obviously it's not, they're not always related to, some of the related to being a freelancer, some are related to being a startup, some are related to being in marketing, some are related to being in Manchester and a business. It's, they're all very different, but for me, they're an important part of keeping, obviously, fresh backlinks going to my website from an SEO point of view, um, mentions, so if anyone wants to affirm what they, they think I might be capable of or my experience or, reputation, whatever it is, they can have a look and go through those. Um, so it's just another convincer um, as part of the whole process. And I, I, you know, it's like having an award that was from 2013 still in your email signature. I'm not interested in doing that. I want fresh, I want to constantly be in the, the media in some form, contributing advice and, and whatever else, partly because I really enjoy writing the articles and, and enjoy the process and partly because it's a, a great way to to kind of sell myself, I suppose. Yeah. Do you put aside a certain amount of time, actual time, to doing that kind of thing? I don't or have is a, it just opportunity schedule. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's where when they come. Um, yeah. I try and and get my own sort of my own blog content. I try and produce sort of at least once to once to twice a month on things that I'm I'm really passionate about. I'm not about churning stuff out for the sake of SEO and so on and for the sake of, of rankings or whatever else or visits. When I write something, I write it because I'm keen to write it. And then the same goes for opportunities. I, I Naturally, I don't go for everything, but at the same time, I try and kind of aim for at least once, twice a month to be featured somewhere. Because then, as I said, it's fresh. You don't go onto my media, my media contributions page and see like the last thing I did was was October 2014. And it's like, well, well, what you've been doing since, you know, what, why, why is there nothing between them? It's it's difficult. You you try and balance um, working, actually earning money with these opportunities that don't earn you money. But I, I enjoy them. I enjoy talking to people about my experience and, um, yeah, just having a, a, a chat or putting stuff across or whatever is is good. So let's go back to when you started out. You mentioned that you, you know, had this dream of being local and you know walking mm-hmm. to your office and things like that. So you do have an office. Is that like a co-working yeah, space yeah. or? So um, I, yeah, it's a, a co-working space in Manchester called the Assembly. Um, I've been here since since I started since Feb 2014. I'm actually now the longest serving um, resident here. I can actually get they get they point me out on the tours, <laughs> which is a bit weird. I, they just. <laughs> When they took showing people around, they point to me and go, he's been here since the longest. I'm like a, I don't know, a statue or something or a, <laughs> a tourist attraction. Yeah. Um, so I pay £160 a month. Um, I get really decent Wi-Fi. I get a meeting room that I'm sat in right now, um, hence the kind of echoness. Um, I get uh, tea and coffee. It's a kitchen, a fridge, microwave and so on. My desk is my desk. Um, I get a, a window view of... of uh, an all right part of Manchester um, and it's four minutes walk from my flat. Um, it's five to 10 minutes walk from the house that I'm currently buying. So for me, it, it, it ticks all the boxes. I can have someone in here um, on the desk next to me or sharing my desk for 14 hours. A, I think it's 14 hours a week for free as part of my contract. 
and it's it's twenty four seven. So it it works really well. Um, I certainly would. So, you know, I made the decision straight away. It was never a question of working from home. I I would have gone mad. Like I wanted to separate personal and work life um, very clearly. And have you? Do you ever work from home, or have you managed to? Very keep very that? rarely. Yeah. I I leave my laptop um, at the office because it's secure during the week. Um, I have my my missus has a laptop at home, so if I really needed to do some work, I'd go on that, or I'd just bring my laptop home at weekends. But I I really don't. I'm, I don't know if it's, it's, if it's laziness or a stubbornness to keep a, a, a work-life balance, but I, I'm, I work like 10 till, 10 till 3, 10 till 4, something like that. Um, and then I go, I go home or I go to the shops and I do, you know, I do whatever else I want to do, you know, working out or I don't know, playing Xbox or meeting mates or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, I'm, I made the decision from the start to to have a lifestyle that's different than than my nine to five was, and I think it would be it would be pointless to go back into a nine to five self employed life. I'm living to work rather than working to live. Um, for me, this is a, a means to to a flexible lifestyle and a means to paying the bills and so on. That's not to say I don't have a passion for digital marketing, and you wouldn't get that as part of the you know, working with me and so on. Everyone sort of says they can sense my passion or whatever else. But for me, this is a way to experience things that my previous work life didn't give me. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, I do, I'm going to Dubai on the 5th for five days. I was there in, in September for 10 days work. Um, I went to the Maid Festival in Sheffield. Um, went to Web Summit in Dublin last year. So things that I I, I wouldn't normally be at and I, you know, I either couldn't or wouldn't be at or doing in my previous life. I want to experience those and, and this is a, the best way to, uh, to get that. Nice. Good for you. Uh, I love those hours you're working. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Do you have kids? No, no. Just God, got a hedgehog. God, imagine. Marvellous. So <laughs> when... <laughs> What is it now? So essentially two years of mm-hmm. Profoundry. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like you've learned in that period other than tweaking your site or your services that we mentioned earlier? I think I've, I've, learned, I've learned the symptoms that come with uh, running your own business. As in, I think you know, it's a really positive lifestyle change for me and, and career change and all these other things. But it does come with with certain negatives. Like for example, I mean, I'm, I'm buying a house at the moment. I have been for a year now um, through delays and so on. And, and being self-employed and buying a house is not a good idea. Uh, I don't recommend that to anyone. Um, it's very dra- uh, or draining and difficult and, and all these other things. Um, I think the sporadic payments, sporadic work is quite, I think you have to be a certain type of person that can get up every day. And although you've got work, be hunting for work and you know the, the, the dream is to have 10 to, to 12 days retained every single month but sadly you know clients don't necessarily work like that you know they'll they'll you'll do a, some work for them and then they'll realize they can take it in house or you train them to take it in house as part of your scope or whatever it is so you're i think constantly trying to find work at, would would uh, would drain a certain person but for me, it's, don't get me wrong, I don't like doing proposals 
and not hearing back from anyone. I think that has to be one of the worst parts of the process. And like, granted, that's that's any business, whether you're an agency or self-employed. But I think when you've put your personal time into something, not hearing back on a, I don't know, a 20-page proposal that you put a lot of thought into, not even hearing a, a reply, I think, is, is a really demotivating part of it. Um, motivation in general is something I've learned that comes and goes. If you looked at my comments on Freelancers Hub, which is if anyone is a freelancer, I'd certainly recommend joining that. There's about 800 freelancers on there, and I, I bug the hell out of them with my questions. Um, and I try and give advice as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm trying to think what I was talking about. Yeah, motivation. Um, sometimes like, I'm, I'm really keen to get into work and get something done. When I've got four proposals to do in a day and it's not none of that's paid work, my motivation can, can uh, dwindle. And sometimes just in general, I just don't feel like uh, being at the office or, or doing work. And, and luckily, I'm in a privileged position to, to go and do something else, you know, go and I don't have a walk, go to a cafe, uh, meet a friend or whatever. Um, but I, I, you know, I think people who think, who aren't in this game think it's kind of all, I don't know, you're, you're constantly kind of buzzed and, and doing work and, and I don't know, nailing pitches and things. And obviously there's, there's times where you're, you know, I had uh, Jan to March, I had virtually no work. Um, I really struggled. I don't know if it was the budgets coming in in April or, or what, but, but I hadn't planned for it because I hadn't experienced it before um, and I almost had to go back to full-time work and that certainly was was uh, was a really difficult time thinking like you might have to pack it all in and tell people you only lasted as a, a year as a free, uh, freelancer self-employed um, without you know I don't know, getting to the point where you feel you've succeeded or whatever and obviously it's like giving up a as I know, it's not really a dream but it's certainly a you know, a great lifestyle. I mean, the thought of going back is to full-time work and, and being a cog in someone else's work is is not a motivating factor for me. And luckily, I, I you know, April came around and I got lots of work, more work than I could possibly do and, and things worked out and I've learned my lesson. But um, it was certainly a, you know, a wake-up call, if you will, to what happens if this doesn't succeed. Um, man that's tough you say you learnt your lesson but what was that lesson essentially to to prepare um, you know uh, was it plan to succeed prepare to fail um, in terms of actually getting work to cover those times you know working your ass off in December to get work to cover you Jan uh, Feb March and obviously you know putting putting time into marketing and you know whether it's me running a pay-per-click advertising campaign or linkedin advertising for my own business um to to obviously get more uh, more reach than i would without doing anything in order to actually fill those those gaps now i know that there's a potential for them to uh, to arise that's an interesting point actually do you spend quite a bit then on advertising um, I, I started when I, when I first went into all this, I, I ran a PPC campaign for myself, uh, targeted to sort of the Northwest or Manchester. Um, I on and off do LinkedIn advertising, mainly, um, when I get free vouchers from LinkedIn, <laughs> I want to push, push a piece of content. So I did a, a startup, um, survey of 55 startups as a content piece, um, because I wanted to understand um, 
what startups are doing for their marketing process and strategy and what they aren't doing. So I use LinkedIn advertising to push that content to potential startups in the UK. And then I used freelance hub and Manchester startups and all these other things. I don't, I don't currently spend any money on, on marketing. Um, I haven't done for a, a while. That's really interesting. So you took a bit of time out to do a survey of how many? Was it 50? 25? I got 55 in the end. Okay, so basically you were reaching out to a load of startups who rather cleverly you might end up working with, but mm-hmm. asking them what challenges do you have and then you put yeah, that together yeah, exactly. and drew conclusions and actually made it into a proper report type. Yeah, yeah exactly. Brilliant. It worked really well, to be fair. I got, I got, I still get a lot of traffic for that piece that's probably seven months old now. Um, I get a lot of startups approaching me and that's, that's great because I can offer them services. But sadly, the way uh, business works, I can't, you know, equity in a startup isn't going to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. So I, I find it, I have a certain handful of passion projects that I work on. I have a certain handful of startups that have a reduced rate. And then after that, I have to, I have to pass people to other friends and things that can help them because sadly, I, I just haven't got the, the, the time. Well, I, I don't make the time, obviously being, a, you know, as I said, a lifestyle business, I have a certain amount of time per week. And, and although I really enjoy working with them and it's, it's great because I can put myself in their position and things, it's, it's not always um, viable. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's cool hearing you, you talk about that. I, I think in the content marketing world, that's called like a, they call it like a pillar piece of content marketing. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So instead of just, you know, writing, churning out blog posts as many of us do, you actually spend time creating something really meaty. Uh, yeah. that gets people interested in talking and downloading and yeah yeah interesting well, I, I, uh, I used um, so free agent I used for my my accounts um, the free agent software um, so I got free agent to team up with me and offer a year's free free agent to as a, an incentive to to complete the survey ah you're smart <laughs> I like that well, pe- people often won't uh, do something for nothing will they so yeah yeah uh okay right so i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what have you got for me so mine are i have 40 tattoos me my brother sister and cousin all share the same birthday i have globophobia which is an irrational fear of balloons whoa so you have 40 tattoos you your sister your brother and your cousin all share the same birthday hang on are you triplets no, I'm a twin. Oh, but you are a twin. Uh, and then, what was the other one? Globophobia. Globophobia. A fear of balloons, though. Essentially, when I was young, a balloon burst in my face, and essentially I don't, I refuse to sort of touch or feel the balloon, and, and I get a bit uh, sort of anxious going near any, is a fear it'll pop. Uh, I know, I, but my wife hates balloons, so I can kind of. Which is interesting when you've got two kids. Um, <laughs> so balloons was um, over forty tattoos. Um, mm-hmm. What what was your first tattoo? Uh, very poor. Um, <laughs> I designed uh, like a, a, this is when I was eighteen a tribal style kind of tattoo on the back of my neck. 
Uh, I'm just looking at your Skype photo now, thinking his neck, his shirt is buttoned up to his neck. Maybe that's because there's a pig's head just beneath that button. <laughs> so, okay, I'm really believing that one. Globophobia. <laughs> and, okay, in that case, statistically speaking, I don't think you have a birthday in common with all of those relatives. No, wrong. You're not scared of balloons? I'm not scared of balloons. Ah, man! So you re- That's insane. Who's, who do you share a birthday with again? So me and my brother were born on the 8th of March, 1987. We're twins. My sister was born two years before on the 8th of March, 1985. And my cousin was born on the same day as my sister. So my mum and her sister had the children on the same day. And the Whoa, same year. that's amazing. So one, one, uh, so I have a twin cousins who were born on the 5th of March, um, 1989. And if they were born on the 8th, we would have been in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> That's a but great... they came three days early. That they is were due a... on the 8th. A great story. Man, I bet your mum wishes she'd play some bet somewhere along the line. That <laughs> Imagine the payout. That's incredible. Yeah, okay. imagine the, the birthday present bill at the every, every year. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? One thing. That's difficult. There's a few things. It sounds very kind of stupid, but I'd say like kind of don't not don't listen to others but when you're you're thinking about your idea and, and hopefully have a passion for for starting something uh, or going freelance or whatever don't overly listen to friends and colleagues and family at the end of the day you're ultimately the person who's going to be doing the doing and in charge of your own career and so on you're the one with the vested interest and i think you know you you hear a lot when you start to to talk about you know handing in your notice and things like that. You get a lot of people, oh, you're brave, or that's stupid, I wouldn't do that and things. Well, they're not the ones going to be doing the, the, you know, setting up the business, working their asses off or whatever else. So, you know, you're the one who's going to be rewarded with your your dream career. So, um, and half the, obviously, the sacrifices that come with that and the stresses over money and things, it's all going to land on you, obviously your partner as well, but you know what I mean? The actual main part of it will be you. So I would sort of say, don't listen to others nice okay well i hope somebody listens to you in not listening to others <laughs> uh check out beingfreelance.com show notes for this episode also uh, links to uh how you can subscribe itunes stitcher uh rss whatever and also if you can leave a review if you've enjoyed this please do especially uh, the likes of itunes it really does make a difference beingfreelance.com also at beingfreelance on twitter we'll have links to everything that carl's up to and and uh, do check out his blog. Some, as he said, he, you'd like to write about freelance stuff mm. as well as uh, yeah, you know, I've got the a few, business a few freelance stuff on there. Yeah, there's some yeah. really nice posts on there. So do check it out. Uh, all links at beingfreelance.com. But Cole, thanks so much, and all the best being freelance. That's all right. Cheers. For that it was it was good.